And so we're not changed, so we can't live from this change place. So we then continue to try to do the same thing over and over and over again, right? And it's just a pattern of the flesh. It's a pattern of the world. And it keeps you bound in the world and unable to live in accordance to the kingdom of heaven. But we're called to be ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven, living from the kingdom of heaven. And so often people mistake kingdom of heaven. They think heaven, they think, oh, the place heaven when they get there and all those things. And so once again, we're robbed of who we've been created to be and how we've been called to live. And the key that unlocks us is this thing called believe. I need to believe in him. That's why the question was, who do you say I am? All right. It always starts with the who, not the why, not the when, not the how. We start with the how, right? How do you do this? But he starts with a who. Mm -hmm. So who do you say I am? Who do the people say I am? Is going to determine the first in your life. Now the easy option and answer through mental agreement is everyone to say you're the Messiah. But then I don't live a Messiah-like life. Right? I still live a me life because what word comes with Messiah that begins with L? All right. Do you know life is in lordship, not really in being saved? Saviour brings you into an element of life in Christ, but there's this life abundant place, right? And the life abundant is only found in lordship. So if we're not in lordship, where you've been removed from being lord and he's now your new lord, then you won't come into a life of lordship because you're still in the driver's seat. You're still directing the vessel, so you're still controlled by you. So the question is, did Jesus come to save you from hell primarily, or did he come to save you from you? <laughs> Plenty of people are saved from hell, but how many people have been saved from themselves? Big question, right? It's about heaven and hell. So we go with this gospel about heaven and hell, and is heaven and hell a reality? Of course it is, but I actually believe he came to save you from the hell in you. Which is your old nature, right? Which creates a way of being and living that keeps you out of this life because you still try to operate from this old place, not a new place. And so he gives us this promise. And that's what I want to talk about today is a promise given to us by the promise keeper. Every promise is where? In Christ. And it is yes and amen. It's not yes and no. So if it is, it is. Which means I can't base my reality on my reality. I have to base everything on his reality and who he is and what he says. Right? That's where life comes from, not my own experiences, not how I've been raised. Life comes from who Christ said he was through revelation, then his words that he spoke, which are spirit and life through revelation, which then enables me to live out who I am in him and live out his will. Right? Real simple. Okay? Know me. Believe in what I, who I am, what I say. And you'll know who you are and you'll know my will and you'll live in accordance to the Spirit. And those who live in accordance to the Spirit live a life of the Spirit on earth and bring glory to my name. 
So I want to give you this promise, and this promise is called rest. That was interesting. A few years ago, I went to this leaders thing over in Martinborough, and the man got up and said, I want to talk about this thing called Sabbath rest, but I don't really know what it is. I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. And I was like, you're going to talk about something that you don't know what it is, then what are you going to talk about? Your version of it? And really, that's what we got that day. Right? Someone trying to unpack something who doesn't really know what it is. And I think this is actually one of the greatest mysteries to be revealed. Yet Jesus said, I am Sabbath rest. Right? So who is rest? Is it a day or a person? Now, is there anything wrong with keeping a day? But there's no life in keeping the day, right? Because the day didn't say, I'm life, I'm truth. The person said, I am life, the way, the truth. Like, this is where the promise sits. So the Sabbath was fulfilled when who showed up? Because he is the Sabbath rest. Was man made for the Sabbath? Was Sabbath made for the man? So there is this promise that Jesus gives and he comes and he gives you these things. He gives you an instruction or an invitation. He gives you a vow and then he gives you a promise. Who can tell me what the instruction is in relation to rest? Come to me. Right? So come to who? Come to me. What does it mean? We'd all probably say we come to Jesus, right? Yeah, you know, look at all these things, right? Come to me. Doesn't say come to a service. Doesn't say come and join a church family. Doesn't say come to a prayer meeting. Doesn't say come and meet me on the street and we'll do some evangelism. It says come to a singular reality and it's a person called Jesus Christ. Come to me. So where do you go looking for life? Like it's not Jesus Christ and is it? Well, it's not supposed to be. But why is it so many people look outside of Jesus Christ for life? Beautiful. They are easy to find because they're not concealed from you, right? He is. And that's a good reason why we go at other things because it's the things we know. Because if he's concealed and he is life and we don't have life because he's concealed, we're going to look for life and things that we can find. What are those things called, ultimately? Idols. So you're looking for life in an idol. Because what you're really saying is, well, you're not enough. But you say you have him, but you're looking for life in an idol. And if he's life and he's promised you this rest of come to me, then we've got to ask ourselves, what does it really mean to come to Jesus? What does it mean to come to Jesus the way Jesus told us to come? 
Because within that passage in Matthew 11, he actually tells you how you ought to come. Say it again. So come to me all who are... All. All who are, right? What does that mean, to come weary and heavy laden? Say it again. Yeah, so you've come to the end of you trying to enter into life. So it's not a physical thing primarily, right? Mm. It's a spiritual exhaustion. Mm. Because we are wired and created for life. Right? Bible says eternity is put in our hearts that we would seek the Lord. Mm. And it says we are put on earth for a particular time that we would seek the Lord. And it says if you seek me with all your heart, soul, mind, you will find me. So come to me and find a reality I have for you, right? But then he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Why do you have to come weary and heavy laden? So you try, but so, so, so unpack that a bit more. I love your t-shirt, by the way, Tim. <laughs> this is Tim and Jim. Guys, this is Tim and Jim from Masterton, who I stay with every six weeks. Look at that. <laughs> I it was going to be a Liverpool with you and Rodney. It was going to be. <laughs> 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 oh, mate. Okay, the, dog, the dog's ate all those. You have looked at everything else ahead of Jesus, and then we've come to the point where there is nothing else. So what ultimately is coming to the end of itself? What's, what's in you that's coming to the end of itself? Your pride, your will, you, right? The thing I said, did Jesus come to save you from hell? Or did he come to save you from you? So the thing in us that we got poisoned by the fall that's been controlling us our entire lives, which, here's the deception of it, comes to Jesus for what it wants. Now, does Jesus accept you in that state? Yes. Why? Because you're good or he's good? He's good. So he loves you so much, he meets you at your point of need, because if he actually made it about his need, we'd never come. Right? I don't know one single person that's come to Jesus for Jesus' sake. Do you? I don't. I didn't. I was trying to resist coming to Jesus for Jesus' sake. Right? I came to him for my sake. So I came to him, but it's what I wanted from him, not what he wanted for me. So the spirit of pride in me, right? I call it the imposter or the intruder. The spirit of I determines everything. It even determines this because it comes based on its terms. And this is the problem when you give your life to Jesus, not lose your life to Jesus for Jesus' sake, because you give your life based on your terms, not even maybe knowing there are even some terms, right? But you come to get. You don't come to give. You actually come to get something because you've heard this amazing offer. He is so kind and so good. He meets you like a loving parent does in that state of immaturity, because that's what it is, right? And then he wants to lead you and guide you from that place into another place. So he accepts us as we come. Why did you come? Maybe I needed a healing. Why did you come? I was looking for a wife. Why did you come? I was looking for a husband. Why did you come? I needed to get pregnant. Why did you come? I needed a job. 
Why did you come? Like, why, right? So that's the second. It's the who, then it's the why. So why are we here today? Why are you here today? Why did you come? I wanted to be part of, I was looking for relationships. Are any of those things wrong in themselves? No, but they're not life, right? And they can lead you into a false life because you can find life in a relationship with a spouse, but that's actually leading you away from life. Like, that's why he puts that in the book too, right? He says, if you're going to actually get married, be prepared. You don't actually get distracted and leave your first love for another love. But it happens so naturally, eh? And before you know it, you're 50 million miles down the road from real love and real life and real life for a substitute that doesn't actually perform on what what you thought it was going to. But he takes you as you come. He has to. Mm -hmm. He loved us while we were yet still. Because you would never love him unless he loves you first. Repentance. He has to grant you repentance that leads to life. Because he knows you'll never fully repent from your... I will never fully repent, right? The way it needs to. I is remorseful, but I is not repentant. That was the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas was remorseful. Jesus was, sorry, Judas was remorseful. Peter was full of repentance. God granted Peter repentance that led to life. Judas was full of remorse and it led to his death. So God has to grant us. God has to be the first to make the first step. Then he has to draw you unto himself. So he does these miracles. He meets you at your place of need. But then he goes, that's not my place. That's your place. Now I want to take you up. So there's this way in which we come which radically affects whether we receive the promise. So you have this instruction of come to me. What's the vow he gives you? Hold on. So I will give you. Right? So the vow he says is I, who's I? Jesus will give who? Us, you. How much work is involved in that? Zero. Do you like getting gifts? So you can say this is a gift. This is a promise that he wants to give. And he does give. So it's not he doesn't give. He always gives. Because he's always giving. He only knows to give. He doesn't live by getting. Like he's not us. So he doesn't get to give, he gives to give. That's why it says it's more blessed to than... See, if you haven't learnt the giving, it's very hard to receive. That's why people struggle to receive, because they actually don't know what it is to give. Freely. But when you know how it is to give freely, you learn how to receive freely. But when you don't know how to give freely, you don't know how to receive it. Oh, no, you shouldn't have done that. False humility. Or it's the flip side, right? The flip side is you always got to take something because you think you always got to do the opposite. Which one round? Both are fleshly. So here is you get this instruction, this invitation, come to me, right? So we can't come. But there's a way in which we're supposed to come which is weary and heavy laden, which is the spirit of pride has come to the end of itself because it realizes it's exhausted itself trying to find life in everything else but the one. What a great day that is. Now, do you hear promise in that? Because yeah. that's really good news, right? Yeah. 
I never want to go back there, but I'm so glad I went there. Because it was a transition point from there to the life I'm in now. So if I haven't gone through that transition, not around it, but through it, right? Let me say that again. If I haven't gone through it, but around it, if I'm trying to go around it, because there's nothing of I wants to go through what it needs to go through to get the promise. Or what it tries to do in its own terms is negotiate how it's going to go down. And so we keep the trying thing going, right? Which means we're going to miss out on this thing called Sabbath rest, which is going to impact where in you. What part of you is going to be so impacted by Sabbath rest? Soul. And your soul is made up of what, Rodney? Do you worry about stuff? Do you find yourself consciously worrying about the future? Your life? What you don't have? Others? Well, I'm come to give you rest for that. Yeah. So, evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Truth is self-evident. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You get convicted on truth. So we have to be prepared, right? We really have to be prepared. And many people don't want to go here. You've got to be prepared to look in the mirror and let truth judge you. Mm. It's amazing too. It's life-giving. So when love turns up, right? You've got to get the order around this right the right? Even though love and truth are the same person. So when love turns up and goes, you know I love you? Mm. See, everything's based here on this one question. Mm. You can say, yeah, and go, okay, I need to show you some stuff. Gone. Because you don't know I love you. Yeah. It's very hard to be undressed if you don't know the undresser. Mm. You can say you know him, but when he comes to undress you and you stand naked, you're going to see whether you know him or not. Now, he still loves you as you're running away and he's trying to call you and he's calling you saying, hey, come to me. Mm. Right, so that come to me is from here, from here. How far can the arm of the Lord reach? Right? But you've got to come. And then the, un, the one who wants to undress goes, okay, love now, right? Because love is first. That's why love is the greatest. That's why we have to go from love. Whenever you have a conversation, it's from love. Now I need to speak truth. Now truth and love are of the same substance because it's one person. Okay, this is what makes it confusing because we go love and truth. No, it's actually just Jesus. But there's an order within Jesus. It's love and truth. And then the truth comes. Now the truth comes to what? Set you free from what? Your anxiousness, your worry, your fear. You're not having enough. Am I good enough? rejection, all the stuff your humanity struggles with. Mm. But why? To release you because he's got this thing called you, called really himself, Sabbath rest, to bring you, to free you, so then you can glorify him. Mm. All right? Live for him and him alone. Do you know that's why you and I were given life, right? We weren't given life to create our own lives and tag him on. We were given life to lose our life to only have one purpose, which was the Son's, which was to do the will of the Father. And in doing the will of the Father, you will glorify the Father. As you glorify the Father, you receive the glory of the Father to which other people who don't know the Father see the glory within you. 
then they ask questions about why you have something they don't have and then you lead them to the Father. There's your process for evangelism. But you've got to know the Father to be able to enter into that process otherwise the world aren't looking at you because they don't see anything that they don't have. They look at you and see the same. They're worried about the future. They're worried about not being married. They're worried about not having jobs. They're worried about COVID. They're worried about this. And so you're worried and that's where you join and meet. And so you actually have this worried club, not a peace club. And that's okay, but you don't want you to stay there. He goes, okay, we're all here. So he comes. Hey, anybody want what I've got on offer? Because I, Jesus Christ, who built my church, give myself. And the promise is rest, which is, has nothing to do with a physical break. We're talking about an inner spiritual position that enters into you as you enter into it and it repositions you as a person. Literally turns you upside down, shakes you upside down and then puts you back in place to live now from a whole other dimension that you were not currently in. Because... The instruction on invitation, you received and you received the promise. Now, God is not a liar, correct? So do you believe what you've just heard? Do you believe it's for you? If you haven't yet entered into this reality, what are you going to do? These are the questions that he asks me all the time. So I'm just asking you them, right? Because if there's a promise that is yet to be realized and it's going to radically, significantly bring you into freedom, which then glorifies him, which means the lost world get to see him in you. And that's the purpose to not would just be so sad, wouldn't it? But what would hold you back from that? This is, this is the wrestle for every part of humanity, right? Like no one person's not going to go through this. So you've got this, this is the world I live in and I know. It's earth. It's earthy. It's soil. Know it, right? I know how to go from A to B. I know how to operate in this world. I know the operating systems. I know the standards. I know the laws. I know if I jump off that cliff, I'm going to die because there's gravity. All those things. This earth is governed by a set of rules. And you and I are from it. So we know it like the back of our hand, right? We don't think to breathe, we breathe. We live here so innately, it is so normal, right? It's the normal, it's our norm. He turns up and you, he, you have no idea of his reality. Now his is the complete opposite to this. And he's calling you out of all you've out of who you are, who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. Who do you say you are? 
So he's calling you out of everything you believe you are, everything you believe is, because you know nothing, right? Without revelation, you know zip. You might have learned some stuff, but you know zip. And he's calling you out of your very being. Now, this guy in you, he don't want a bar of it. At best, he wants his version of it. Right? Tracking? So he doesn't want it at all. Or he wants his version of it. And that's your problem. He don't want it. Either way, he don't want it. Right? The worst is when you want it for your version of it. The better one is when you don't want it at all. Because you don't care. The other one you care, right? But both are actually demonic and blows the flesh and both keep you in yourself. But you've got this divine invitation. So you've got this call that's going out, right? There's a new land. Tell me this is not the entire pattern of God's people. Like this is nothing new. We're just repeating patterns over and over. Every generation repeats either the same patterns or get free of the patterns that they've been living the other generation. That's why there is a people group who are cheering us on who came out of the pattern, realized the pattern was a person, and started living in accordance and then went, hey, you lot, we can't receive the fullness of inheritance until you guys get here. So come on, get your act together like we got our act together. Don't be like those guys who are constantly making mistakes through disobedience because they couldn't hear the word, didn't enter the rest and live for themselves. Even though the Father loved them and covered them with the Son. Come on. But this is a narrow way. Like the many don't travel this path. You realize that? So the squeeze. But in the squeeze it produces more life. Because you've heard of this call, you've heard of this promise, you've heard this Messiah has turned up, right? And he is God in person. He's the exact representation of the Father. And there's this promise of this rest that would give my mind and my will and my emotions some peace so I could sleep. That affects my body where I can lay down and have eight hours, ten hours solid sleep so my body recovers ready for the next day to go again to see my Father's kingdom established in and through me as opposed to being so stressed out so focused on the wind changing and the person's about to make this decision and that decision or what's happening to me that my whole life is one big mess and turmoil and I have zero of that so then I go oh I know I need a Sabbath I need a sabbatical I need time out that will fix the issue I'll go on holiday but you take all of that with you because it's where? In your soul that Jesus wants to save and he's knocking on the door and maybe we keep rejecting him. We like the offer, but the offer's too great when you realize the consequences of the offer. Right? But in denying that, you deny you. And this is what Hebrews is telling us. It says, make sure you haven't come short of a promise that you should have entered into as his people because when the word went out you didn't unite it with faith unbelief was present when you heard it when you hear the word today is the day of salvation do not harden your which is the place of understanding and life and so deny the very thing that's going to set you free do you know how many times we do it 
all the time. Because sometimes if you even do hear it, then what? The fears of life, the worries, the deceitfulness come in and they literally choke the word out of you. Because fear starts to mount up where faith isn't, right? Because where fear is not, faith, with, sorry, where faith isn't present, fear and flesh are present. And so all of a sudden you find yourself in this turmoil and the fear, the perfect love casts out fear. So love comes and turns up and goes, hey, what's going on? Mm. Oh, I got it sorted. I can do it. No, you can't. So if you can't fix yourself, you certainly can't bring yourself into this. So he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all those who are broken of spirit and contrite of heart. Right? Because we've tried, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. So then we tried some more and we realized, I just can't do this. What a... Paul say, he said, power is perfected in weakness. Do you know the world hates weakness? Do you know to the world that was weakness? To that was God, right? So to the world, they went, if you're the son of man, come down. The fact he was on the cross was the evidence of who he was. If he comes down, humanity doesn't have any chance of entering into life, right? So they saw that as weakness. And what they saw as strength was Come down and start shooting everybody, really, if you're the son of God, and kick some serious butt. That would be strength in God. No, that is the opposite. That is foolishness. Now, I'm not saying we're called to be a doormat. But you're called to love, be spewed on, and then be able to love. Not with your love, because you won't be able to love your love if that's just your love, you'll only be able to love you have eternal love because you've entered into a rest. Because behavior, right? We love based on behavior when we don't love. We haven't transitioned from here into love. We're loving based on behavior. So as long as your behavior sits at a certain level, then my human love can love on it. As soon as your behavior goes past my thing, my conditions, I'm stuffed, you're stuffed, we're going to rip each other apart. And you get found out for what you don't have, right? You know, it's a great day to get found out for what you don't have. Because someone's waiting to give you what you don't have. But do you go looking? Or do you go, well, I've already got him, so I need another solution. And where do you go? Into earth. And you go looking for earth solutions for eternal problems. And then you repeat the pattern. It's just another pattern, right? And you're trying to help people, but actually that turmoil in yourself, because really that's where it is. Because you're manifesting, they're manifesting, and you don't have what you need to stay at peace. So you're looking because you want this to be better. And sometimes the intent's right, right? Intent's good, it's just not a God thing. And in a good intention, you end up jumping both into bondage. So you're not helping at all, and you're not loving. You're actually wanting your thing fixed. And that's a mystery, and that's a trust factor. But if he's made all things new, and I'm not talking about necessarily earth, I'm talking about eternal, then you're free, right? And this is the promise, and this is the position of power that you and I can actually live from if 
we are truly willing to journey this out if because it's not you just don't get it right you get the gift of justification for free but the prize of sanctification is not free you have to allow the spirit to go to work through spirit and truth in your heart which means you're going to be confronted in your soul with your humanity that still lives which is keeping you and I bound to earth as opposed to living eternally. It is the great news. Like, I don't want to be bound. I want to be free. I want to know who I was created to be. I don't want to keep living who I'm not. That would be to really say, God, you didn't do enough. Right? your blood that was spilt and he's like I did everything the problem's not lying in me son the problem is in the way you think but I love you mm. and I'm here and I'm not there I'm here mm. and I've even put people in your life who are here to help you walk this through mm. but you don't necessarily see or even know what's right there and so you live in accordance to you. But there's this promise. So he says, I want to give you rest for your soul. Your mind. Powerful instrument, right? Man has studied the mind, talks about the mind, the frontal lobe, the back this, the side this, the side that. All that. You know, God can trump that, right? You know, the spirit's greater than the physical, right? So things you've struggled with for years, God can release like that if he renews because you're seeking, because he actually takes that thought process which is actually demonic, which is bondage, which is fleshly, and he gives you a brand new way to think. You know, when he gives you a brand new way to think, this never comes back because he's renewed the mind. If it's like renewing, sort of renewing, back and forth, not a very powerful God, right? You can't trust that God. So I've come to set the captive free. So the mind, which is informed from the heart. Right? So the heart informs the mind. The mind does not inform the heart. That's why if the heart gets hardened through unbelief, it's very hard for the mind to get renewed. Because when, it go, when the word goes out there, your heart is already shutting off your mind. Because in the Hebrew reality, the heart and the mind are connected. It's one and the same thing in the body. So it flows, but it affects each part, right? So that's why if your heart's still hardened, if unbelief sits in your heart when the word goes out or you don't hear it, the chances of your mind are being renewed are minimal. Mm. Now, it's still possible because I see that in Peter, right? So Peter got his mind renewed while his heart was still hard because he still denied Jesus even though he had a mind renewal. But that's not the way it happens most of the time. That's like 1%. 99% of the time is... This is the place of understanding. That's why Jesus said, guard your heart, not your mind. Right? So guard what you receive because the weeds and the lies come into your heart, the place of life. Right? So you've got to guard that. Out of this, it goes that way. You've been taught it goes that way. Lies. Right? As a whole, it's a lie. 1%, 99%, it's going that way because the heart is the wellspring. Boom, boom. Just put in the human, the human form, right? I take the heart out gonna die right take the mind out too but the heart pumps the blood where's the life in the mind or the heart mm. 
heart, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, right? The blood wasn't just to save you from your nature. The blood was to take you from your nature, from the power of everything demonic called you in you and to release you into life so you can live a life that glorifies the Father. This is the true process. Do you believe me? Have you experienced what I'm talking about yet? To what measure? Because it's for all of us, right? This is not for special people. This is not for people that have a gifting. This is not for people who have titles. This is just general for every single person who says they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because the goal is to become a heavenly priest. The goal is to become a bride. The goal is to become kings. The goal is to become nation. The goal is to become bond servants. The goal is to become sons. They're not all separate things. They're one people group. It's a manifold reality in you and I, right? So we are called to be apostolic, prophetic, shepherds, teachers, and share evangelists. Now, we're not all called to be evangelist, evangelistical. That's not even a word, but I make it up, right? You're not called to be all apostles, but we're called to be apostolic. But you'll never be that unless you've entered into this, because this is the thing, the promise that what? Ceases you from... You see, it repositions you. It repositions you to truly now learn. Not the way you once learned through trying to understand it in the mind, but through receiving it in the spirit in your heart. Right? It's, it's back to front. That's why you've got to come like a kid. Right? So you've got to come knowing... Do you think the spirit of pride or the spirit of I likes to be told it knows nothing? Especially if it's gone down a process getting a degree in theology. No. Nothing wrong with going and getting a degree in theology as long as it produces life. The problem with it can produce a lot of death because it leads you in your mind thinking through the study of original language or history. You have something you don't quite have. That's the problem with it, right? It's from a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And its root system is death, even though it can be good. So you swap good for God. And you tell a whole lot of stuff, but you just can't live. So you honour God with your lips, but your heart's removed. So you've actually got this disconnect. And you're still full of worry, anxiety, depression, fear, lack. Because although you know all this stuff, it's not doing you any... And yet we honour that. Like we elevate that in the church. Wow, look at that. As if that's something to achieve. As opposed to the one that just goes about their day being able to live something that's truly eternal. And knows their shortcomings, knows their mistakes, but doesn't let those things hold them back and get back on with him because you're allowed to make mistakes. You never learn. That's how you learn, right? There's no failure in the kingdom. It's just opportunities to learn. But we beat ourselves up because we've come into a standard that's more morally correct than it is by faith. And I'm not saying you don't live. I'm not saying don't live immorally, but what I'm saying is that's not the goal. The goal is to live a life of faith. And as you live a life of faith, watch your life just shine. So there's this promise. So... How many do you live from your feelings? Mm 
feelings make crap leaders. Feelings go up, down, and all around the place, right? Anything wrong with feelings? Just don't want to live from them, right? Because when the sun's shining, when I haven't had an argument with Danny, she hasn't argued with me, we're all good. Until you go to work. Yeah. And then you have an argument with someone. Or maybe you have a whole awesome day and nothing goes wrong. You feel on top of the world. And then the next day hits. Right? Nothing wrong with feelings. You just don't want to live from them. But you've got to enter into this to allow him to define and shape you so you live from truth and the truth is shaping how you live, not what you feel. That means if the truth is shaping me because I've entered into rest and I'm truly learning, when crap and bad things happen, I'm not living from my feelings. The truth in me stands up. So the foundation of what God has implanted in me, renewed in me, built, stands and speaks to what's coming at me. So the more that's in me, the truth is making me free, I'm able to go, this is all momentary light affliction. To someone else, it's taken them out, right? But to you as a house, you've stood there in the storms of life and gone, sweet. But you don't want to get casual and you don't, you don't get any arrogant with that. You actually get on your knees and you start praising God for the work he's done in you. Because you're so thankful and this heart of appreciation comes out of you. And you're like, this is amazing because you gave me something that enables me to live something that I'm not doing. But it's being done in me and I'm the recipient. So I will glorify your name and praise you even though I'm not doing it. It's being done in me. And you've got evidence of that in your life because you may have struggled with something a year ago, six months ago, five months ago, that you're not anymore. And you can look back and you can look at the old and look at the new and go, check that out. That's pretty cool. But unless he swaps this for what? The, which is the center of your soul? What's it called? That will, right? will that's so strong right there right mm -hmm. so the spirit because remember spirit soul body so he saves your spirit even that needs to be realized that can't just stay in this thing called by faith as some imaginary cloud right it's like you get born of the spirit you know you're born again of the spirit you get adopted into the spiritual kingdom of god then the spirit wants to enter into your soul Right? It says in Romans 8.13 that the spirit puts the flesh to death. You cannot put your flesh to death. That's why it's not about dying to self. Mm. Do you think self, if you go, hey self, do you want to die today? <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> Let's get out of here. Just like if a gunman walked in right now and said, anybody want to take the first bullet? Right? Some of us might try and take him out. Some of us are running. Some of us are pushing others in front to get out of the way. I don't know. But the self in you will react in some degree. Do you know that's why father will betray son and son will betray father in the last days? Do you know we saw a snippet of that in COVID? Do you though? Was it you? Yeah. I did. I saw people not want to hang out with people because they had something. 
Well, that's what it does, right? That's what self does. It divides because there's no division in the spirit. So division is caused because self still lives because it's called self-preservation. And the whole thing COVID was used was fear that it's going to kill you. And then you had people, and we had people here in this church that I'm not meeting with that person, I'm not going to that group, and I'm not going to that group, and we had to put that out as an eldership. Can you remember? Yeah. Well, that was happening here, and you and me. That's not like those dudes over there. Oh, that church that didn't let them into the building. That was happening in this church, in you and me. That was going on. Uh, hello? That ain't the people of God, right? That was this. That was not the Holy Spirit speaking. That was that spirit speaking. Because that spirit was still alive and well. But now things have gone back to normal. Now it's, oh, now we're all good now. It's okay, bro. It's all good. We saw that in the world. I mean, we lost, Danny lost a job. It's just like forgotten about. Oh, welcome back. Don't worry about all the turmoil and all that you went through and all that. Oh, you come back. Forgotten like that, right? So you imagine if this thing's still living in the last of the last days when it really starts kicking off right this is how you get a father will betray a son in his own family because self-preservation will cause people to do crazy things like we've always seen and divide so this better get dealt with in us before that day because you might be the one that's doing that never thinking you would be but here you are doing it because the evidence is something to what you said you believe do you know how demonic this thing is because it lives in this thing and you cannot be controlled by love and be controlled by you. The two fight. That's why Paul said, I'm now controlled by love. Now who's love? Who was also, what's another word for L? Describe Jesus. Lord. So he got lordship when he got Christ, when he got love. Did you? Or did you just get saviorship? But Paul wrote Lord and Saviour, not Saviour and Lord. So Saviour becomes a byproduct of Lordship. But you can be saved and have no concept of true Lordship. And then when it turns up, you actually reject and deny it because it's coming for this thing in you, which you may have been told doesn't exist anymore, but it actually does. And it's in this thing here. And that's why your will to live is fighting. And that's why you see things incorrectly because you either reject that or then it goes okay that means I've got to die to me so whichever way it goes right there's so many ways that are demonic so it either rejects it or goes okay how do I figure this out which is the opposite but the same thing of the flesh there's only one way to life so when he says come to me he knows your true state who knew their true state when they came to Jesus I didn't. I thought I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> oh, come on, man. We all think we're okay. Right? We all... If we were all okay, then he don't need to come. The enormity of what he went through is a good indicator of the problem. Right? Otherwise, the guy just would have gone... So the fact that he went through what he went through gives you an indicator of the nature that's in you and I that needs to be crucified by the Spirit. Mm. Shall I say that again? 
the nature in you and I needs to be crucified by the spirit because this is a spiritual problem, not a physical issue. So Jesus was crucified physically for a spiritual problem. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, but he never got up on a cross. So what was the man talking about? He was crucified where? But where in him? And that thing <coughs> died. Um, it died, right? It's not dying. It died. And what you're reading when you read his letters is a man that had the work of the Holy Spirit, the circumcision of the heart that entered into his will and the power when he received Jesus Christ. Because he said, I received Jesus Christ. I didn't receive a message about Jesus Christ. I received Lordship. I received the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings the day that he filled me. I entered straight into Lordship. Saul as Lord died and Paul was birthed. And then he started living from Paul, not Saul. So then he's testifying of what life is in Paul. So then Paul went, because I was crucified with Christ and I no longer, but I live by faith in Jesus Christ, right? Faith got birth that day and now he's seeing in the spirit and he lived from that. He then said, I'm no longer controlled by well, myself, Saul, which creates fear, which is pride, because now I'm controlled by this thing called love. And the one who died for me, I now live for him. That's what he's saying. But you can't just mentally agree with that. You can't go, we all believe what Paul said. <laughs> Why? Because Paul wrote it in the book. That's right. You can mentally agree with what Paul said and you can verbally agree with what Paul said and then you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to do the work that was done in Paul so you come into oneness with what Paul said. And then you live from the life Paul lived from and you find yourself no longer living for yourself but you're living by faith in Jesus Christ and you're putting everyone else first ahead of you and you're always present when everyone else has got other things. But busy... Can you hear the transition? Yeah. It's not because one person's better than the other. So it's not a competition like that. One person has gone through something the other person hasn't. And because they've gone through something, they have a capacity that the other person doesn't. And in that capacity, they can live something that the other person can't. That's the beauty. You see, you and I are called to release the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold. But unless we've journeyed through the process of God, we're still bound in us. And you will put you first every day and three days, three times a day on a Sunday, right? This thing will still have hold of you. But you're saved, meaning you're justified by blood, but you're stuck. So the invitation is come to me. Come to me. Never leave. It's not me and. That might mean in the spirit you've got to leave your spouse, your kids, your job, your this, your that. You've got to leave, right? But 
I'm living through them. Yeah, that's a problem. Mm. I, I get my sense of purpose and meaning in being a parent. Yeah, that's a problem too. Mm. But my, my, my income is, you know, yeah, that's a real problem as well, eh? Because that's getting in the way of me and you. Mm. Hear me, right? right? I'm not telling you <laughs> to go and leave those physical things. Mm. What am I telling you? If those things have you, that's a problem. If they are your first, that's a problem. Not because you're a problem, that in you is the problem. So he wants to release that thing in you so you can live in the promise and not be stuck in the problem. But that thing don't want to go. That thing wants to stay. And we're back to what Lisa said because it's like this is this is a gap, right? This is fear. What is that? I've I've depended on this thing for so long. It knows me. I know it. We're in oneness with it. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, no one does until. And this is what we do, right? We hang on. And we hang on. And we hang on, right? How long are you hanging on the edge of that cliff for? And the invitation is jump. Hell no. Hang on. Hang on, right? Hang on. <coughs> but but so all of a sudden the, the physical, you start getting tired. Right? Hang on harder. Hang on and, and your body starts, you know, depending on how fit you are, depending on how how strong your fingers are, you oh I'm hanging on being here ten years. Hang on. <laughs> The invitation's there. Jump. Jump. It's actually not that big a jump, right? 20 years go by. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on! you got people telling you to hang on because they're hanging on with you. Because they're also paranoid and afraid too, right? And all you got to do is this. And you drop. You don't even drop. And... Yeah. What was that? You've now entered in, something's entered you into something because you let go. That's right. You see the weariness yeah. and the, the exhaustion for that, how long? And you're so tired that you let go when you could have had it here. Yeah. 30 years hanging on and you could have had it here. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's a waste because now you have a knowledge you didn't have. And it may have taken you all that time to get to that place there, right? But you could have had it here. That's attention. I don't know one person that's come to God, I'm gonna say it again, through revelation of the word. I don't. Why? Because that lives, and that is not who you are, but that is in you. Because that was the fall. And he's got to crucify it out of you. So then he can renew your mind, shape your emotions. So out of your body comes the ability to live an overcoming life. But we're called to overcome everything thrown at us. And even if it takes us out physically, we're still overcomers because it's an overcoming in the spirit. All right? So sometimes God can be glorified so much more 
when what we don't think we should get because his word says something and we actually journey through that with God because the eternal has already been won. Mm -hmm. And when people see it, they can't figure it out because your, your physical is perishing, your spirit is shining. Because you're a spirit being, you're not a physical being. And you know in your spirit that eternal is not the end, it's the beginning. Mm. Because it was eternal the day he came into you. But do you believe, and is that the faith you have to free you from earth and all its magnetic pull? Because that's a realm that has to be revealed. And he wants to, and he comes and says, this is what I do. Because as I give you this, you'll actually start truly learning. Questions? Thoughts? Fears? Anxieties? Worries? What are you hearing? It's a, it's a beautiful reality. It's a living reality. Mm. And what I was praying before at the start was is the very the very essence of everything that you just talked about coming into the reality of this this rest in the knowledge of Him. Even the the, the typologies, the example of the Old Testament, they entered into the promised land. Yet somehow they never actually entered into the promise. And we, we enter into what, what you know, we perceive the promised land, we enter into this Christianity, but I'm, I didn't enter into Christ. That's right. And here I'm saying, I'm in Christ and under it, but to enter into that life. And I can't help it, this map that's on the front, I just see it the same thing as this transition. I've come into Christ, I came into this room. And, and here, but the reality of the room, Christ, has to enter into me. And somewhere along the line, that when that eye is confronted with the reality, I just said before, man, oh, what an arrogant statement. Didn't know him. Well, you can all take a flying leap. This is when I was 18. And, and God, will you, I'll make a decision for you if and ever I ever get married. Never thought that would ever happen. Uh, and for oh, I'm, I mean, what, I'll make a bargain with God? What an idiot! <laughs> you know? and, and you go, oh, okay, well, we'll play that out. So gracious, so gracious to give me a beautiful gift mm. to just to, to bring that promise to light. To then enter that journey and walk that journey to the point where the I had to be crucified, and then this transition that happens inside of me, find on the map. And in a reality that's in me, not perfect, being perfected in love. That says, man, this, this, what to enter into rest, enter into the life of a person who's entered into me, so much different. So much different. Trying to work towards having a day off. Man, it's, it's, it's life. And that love, kind of how about here, you know, that in, in the, um, end times, the times that are coming. The love of many will grow cold. I do not want my love to grow cold. And how does it grow cold? When you're outside of me, I'm not, I don't remain abiding in you. 
And man, when you're in there, I'm now compelled by love mm. to pursue you, to know you more and more. I, 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 I love it. It just feeds, feeds, it feeds me. Um, your comment or your prophetic release, fear. Remember what you said. And if, so you, fear stops. The, the the life, the freedom you're looking for is on the other side of the fear, right? Yeah. That's true. Well, it is. That 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 is the truth, right? It's like that the, the what did Jesus have to do? For us to experience life today, he had to go to the cross, right? Now, what we've taught is he went the cross for you, so you don't need to. No, right? He went the cross, so you could go the cross too. He went to a physical cross, but it had a spiritual meaning because you're bound where, physically or spiritually, right? So this is what we don't get because we're so physical and we look at everything through the physical right. rather than the spiritual right so they looked and went if you're the son of god on the physical mm -hmm. not seeing the son of god is on the cross right so the flesh always interprets through itself and goes that's stupid that's ridiculous right and that's how we view the cross mm -hmm. so he went the cross for you so you wouldn't need to no paul said i was crucified with the Christ. Mm -hmm. So pick up your cross. So how many of you have been physically crucified through picking up your cross? Well, you wouldn't be here today, right? So it can't be a physical crucifixion he's talking about, which is why Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 4.10, I carry the death and the life of Jesus Christ where? So the life of Christ can be manifested through. So you can stand there and admire the cross and be thankful to which I am, right? I thank you. It's step one, right? So the cross is covering you, right? Just like the tree, right? Say it's a vine. You can be in the shade from the sun right so you're in the shadow you're not getting burnt by the sun because you're covered by the vine who's the vine right so the vine is covering you from something that he wants to get crucified within you so step one cover step two crucify step three be controlled by something else c c c Covered, crucified, controlled. Process. We stay at one. Thank you for dying for me. I now live. In the life I live, I live by faith in Greg Simnor, which is called flesh. So Greg Simnor comes to the scriptures. He reads about a reality that he tries to enter into through Greg Simnor, right? He's not given it. He is trying to work it out. So he's listening to apply. He's not hearing to receive. And he's trying to figure this out. So he goes, okay, 
The guy at the front told me I've got to go study Hebrew to really understand this. So then I go and do a course in Hebrew. I get a degree maybe in Hebrew and the Greek because apparently it's written in Greek as well. So I study all that. Then I run around and I go tell everybody, but I still can't seem to live for this other reality, even though I'm doing things I didn't once do. Because now I get up in the morning on a Sunday and I go to a service at 10 rather than still coming home from the nightclub or watching football. So I'm doing things different, but I'm still not crucified. I'm singing songs, and I never used to sing songs, but I'm not crucified. So I'm going through all the forms of godliness, but this is still living. So I'm still teaching me, right? Holy Spirit's going to be my teacher. I'll need no one to teach me because the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God will teach me to know God. And somehow knowing God and loving God are connected. You know that? You say you know God, you better love God because if you don't love him, you don't know him, you're a liar. But who are you lying to? Yourself, because you're still bound up in... But you're a good guy and you're a good chick. So you're not bad, right? But you're called to be Christ-like. Like you're called to have this... Is that your reality? Yeah. So when Paul talks about, you know, you love growing cold, if you've truly gone through this process, it shouldn't be happening, should it? Well, the problem with that is it can. So technically, yeah, if this is you, the chances of that growing cold, right, are less. But it's still possible because Hebrews tells us those who have tasted of the heavenly things and have like seen the Holy Spirit move and look at third heaven stuff can still actually renounce their faith. And if you do, you can't be brought back. Which tells me don't get comfortable and think you know more than you know and always remain in me, right? And never get separated from me because now you're growing, you think you know other things. You've always got to walk with a limp. So, not likely, but possible. Just like the one who thinks I've got nothing can't ever have this. Fully possible, right? So there's plenty of Christians in the world. But God didn't just want Christians, he wants Christ-like followers. So you can stay a Christian, you'll get into heaven, but becoming Christ-like and living as Christ lived? Well, he didn't have this going off of them. And even what you're looking at in the garden isn't that. Um, I was thinking all, all the way through the, your talk about Mary and Martha mm. and how, for me anyway, they're a really good example of mm. the unrest and the rest. Yep. Mm. Um, yep. I guess it's more helpful because they are women for me. And they are doing, like the Martha thing yep. is totally, you know, I believe Jesus, yep. I love him. Yep. But hang on a second, I'm a bit worried about this over here. We need to get the, this, whereas Mary's, you know, yep. got this understood and she's down there. Position day, yep. Yeah, it's good. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. 
physically yeah. by what she was doing. She was doing what she was supposed to do, and that's why she had the expectation that Mary should be alongside her. But it's just the same as what we do. The physical says it's okay to live this way. It's okay. This is this is yep. what is expected of me. And those that are living by the spirit are doing things that you're not supposed to do. Yep. Like that's not the norm. Why? Why do you behave that way? Why do you think that way? Why do you say the things you do? But it's because they've entered into something different yep. and are living from that. And we're not supposed to go, but this is how it should be. We're supposed to go, oh, well, what's that thing that you're living from? How do I get there? Yep. Yep. And it's fascinating, right? Because who invited Jesus into the house out of those two sisters? So Martha invited him in. Right? Analogy, who's the house? Right. So you invite him in, but you never transition to be Mary. You stay as a Martha, even though he lives in the house, yes. right? And it says, he, Jesus says, Martha, you are distracted by all your interests. Distracted. He's not saying, Martha, you are evil. You are distracted. You've been led astray from things that you add, that you add. And those things aren't bad. That's the problem, right? Evil is easy to spot. The tree of the knowledge of good and e evil is easy. Good is another thing. Right? And that's what, if you substitute good for God, that's your deception because it's good. It's not evil. And so you're looking at two prophetic followers. Right? You're looking at two prophetic houses, two prophetic churches, just like Saul and Paul, two prophetic sons, two prophetic churches. Same with Peter. So you have to go, which one do I want to be? You're going to be either one. Like you're not a third option. It's not like, oh, Mary and Martha and I'm over here. Right? You're either Martha, Mary. You're Lazarus. Yeah. manifest what's in you onto them. Mm -hmm. You manifest your own fears onto someone else, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen heaps, especially in ministry time, right? Someone's losing the plot, about to fall apart, and someone's trying to make sure they don't. Yeah, yeah. And you're getting in the way of the Holy Spirit because you're actually a reflection, that's you. Yeah. And you're afraid that they fall apart, you, you know, so you've got to stop it. You don't even know what you're doing, but you're doing it. And that's part of the issue, right? We don't know our true reality until he shows you your true reality. So that's why he says no one's good, but he's got to show you. All right, so if you, if you don't know how evil you are without Christ, 
then you don't have any value on mercy. But it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your life. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's never going to offer his life. So what trumps this is God showing you his mercy. Mm-hmm. So he's, God's always showing you him first. So God always leads with life. Let me love you so I can undress you. Mm-hmm. It's not... Let me undress you so I can love you. I love you in your mess. You've got to know that, guys, through revelation because that's the power to get undressed. You can't just sit there and go, I know God loves me intellectually because you'll stay undressed. Like the power to release you out of you is revelation. It's not reason, it's not logic, it's not human thought, it's revelation stop. On the revelation of the Christ, I'm going to build my church, right? So do you know what comes before, and then we'll wrap this up, right? So do you know what comes before this come to me? So there's the promise. Do you know what actually gives this context? There's two things before it that give it the power of its context. It is that, but what does what does the scripture actually say? So I'm I'm trying to take you to scripture now. Right, I'm going. This this is Matthew 11. No, 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 no. Right. So so this 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 is you need to know this right because. This is us, right? So, so before, before this, he's telling you that he's hidden everything. So he's saying, you've hidden you and all this from the wise and the intelligent. Well, who's the wise and the intelligent? All that haven't come broken and weary. All those that think they still got together in God's people. Right? So it's a spirit reality. So you've hidden all this, which means it cannot be known unless he reveals it. He says, this is, this is a brilliant plan, Father. This is incredible. He says, the Son is the only one who knows the Father. The Father is the only one who knows the Son and to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now come to me. So you have no way of knowing anything. Where are you going to go? To the one who holds it all because he's the one that's being given he said on the revelation of me and what i give but what okay what's the context before that physical miracles he says to certain cities if these miracles had been done here and here they would have come to me and repented but they've been done in you and you're not so judgment seat's going to be interesting for you but if it had happened in those cities they would have come to me so what's that telling you god always uses the supernatural first to bring you to himself god always meets your need first because you will never go to god on your own because you're stuck in this even if you've been raised up with this entire thing. You never will. You're living for you. You're wired to live for you. So I do a miracle. 
The purpose of the supernatural miracle is not to stay there. If you take it and run, okay, he loves you, cool. But the purpose of the miracle was this. And if it had been done in this city, they would have come and they would have realized they can't. And then they would have come weary and broken. And then I would have given them something so they never are back there again. Because that's the point, right? God doesn't want you back at the same place. Like repentance isn't up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. That's remorse. Repentance is found here, gone that way, never come back here again. Otherwise, what's the point of back here again? That's not God who sets you free. It's partially free. So then the process has to be looked at. So when you look at it in its full context, man, it sings. But then you've got to ask yourself some questions. Because he wants us living there, right? Here's the rest, everybody. Now live. Sit at my feet, because now you're gonna, you've got that thing that's operating system it's been you've been released from. Now you've got my, my operating system. Now you're abiding, the floodgates open. What's the promise of John 4, John 7? I want rivers of... Rivers. Rivers, fires, where? So it's a promise. And my hope is that all his promises will not stay in some prophetic reality but they will be a realized reality because that's why he gave his life for for you and i to live a kind of life that reflects him amen